Hey everybody, been a minute, but we've got another Friday conversation for you on Eye on the Hawks in honor of Nebraska Week and the Heroes game. We are talking with Matt Vandenberg, a guy who only lived three and a half hours north of Lincoln for his prep days in South Dakota, and then of course ended up with the Hawkeyes and ended up four and one against the Cornhuskers. That included three wins at Memorial Stadium. We talked to Matt about what it's like to silence a crowd of 90,000 compared to the roar you get with 70,000 at Kinnick. He also has an all-time fan interaction story from his true freshman season in 2013 in Nebraska. We also look ahead to the 2023 edition and what he thinks is going to be the key for Iowa to get that 10th win of the season. Enjoy the conversation with Matt Vandenberg. So let's start with this. I know you were you were born in Arizona, but you were raised and, and graduated from uh, school in South Dakota. That's only three and a half hours from Lincoln. Were you a Nebraska fan as a kid? Uh, no, and the main reason is I had some uh, friends that were Nebraska fans, and they were so annoying that uh, <laughs> I kind of got indoctrinated into that Nebraska fan base, and I was like, that's not it. Um, but I got recruited a little bit by Nebraska. I went to a couple games and stuff, but uh, no, I, I didn't watch any of them growing up. Well, you get to Iowa in 2013, which is only the third year of the of the rivalry at that point when Nebraska comes to the Big Ten. What was the locker room? And the view like of Nebraska border, certainly there, but were they viewed as rivals at that point? I know they won the first two uh, in, in 11 and 12 before getting the win in 13. But what was what was your guys's view of Nebraska? Were they right up there with Minnesota and Wisconsin and everybody else? Or were they kind of this the new guy still? I would say the new guy. Um, and partly just because, again, there's so much sound that comes out of that camp. You know, there's always so much hype and, you know, everybody's talking. Now, I think Matt Rule is changing that. Like, I don't think the I don't think that kind of arrogance is is staying there. But obviously, when Bo Pelini was there, they were winning nine games a year. You know, so, I mean, they were they were forced to be reckoned with. But at the same token, we were just kind of like, it's the end of the season. We want another trophy in the building. But it's not like it's not like we hate Nebraska the way that everybody else apparently hates us. Um, but, uh, so, I mean, to say that it's just another game is a cliche that Iowa football players are all going to say, but, um, at the same token, it wasn't like they were still new to your point, you know, it wasn't like they've been in the big 10 for years and whatnot, but, um, yeah, it, it definitely feels good to get a, to get a win at the end of the year though. What was that, that final as the tick, as the, as the clock ticks down in 2013 and you finally get that win in their house too and i i imagine that they're getting seventy thousand strong to cheer for you at kinnick is one thing getting ninety thousand to be quiet memorials another what what is that moment like when when the heroes trophy makes its first trip to iowa city i'd like to say that that's um you know kind of the start of kinnick west uh instead of like the memorial stadium but uh yeah i mean it's incredible anytime you get to anytime you get a win you know it's really big but th there's also extra nuance to it so i had a buddy that i played high school against uh, his name was Nate Gary. He goes on to the University of Nebraska. And so it was kind of like, uh, I don't want to call it sibling rivalry, but like he went to a rival high school of mine. So like it was always that little added thing of wanting to compete a little harder. Um, but to, to quiet fans is always is always the best, you know, because you, you're no matter what, where you go, you're going to have the Hawkeye faithful cheering you on. But if you can get uh, everybody else to shut up while, while IOWA is going on in somebody else's house, there's nothing like it. You've played in the Rose Bowl. I think you you would have been a freshman on the on the team that played in Columbus at the Horseshoe there in, in 13. Mm -hmm. What is Memorial Stadium like? Because, again, that's a venue that 
Iowa fans maybe just still be getting reacquainted with a, a decade into this thing. But 90,000, the tall walls, I mean, that that feel. And again, their their fans are very vocal about where they've been and where they want to be again. What What is that environment like? It's one of the better ones, I'd say, in college football. Um, I don't know if necessarily, I think they've got um, the record, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they've got the record for the most seasons sold out, you know, completely sell out season tickets or something, something like that. But they're never all out there. (laughs) So, I mean, like, we expect 90,000 to be there, but usually it's like 85 or 80. But don't get me wrong, it's incredible to play over there. And, um, it's different than Kinnick, but again, you know you're going to have enough black and gold to cover you no matter where you go. So, yes, it's cool to be in a, in a different environment, and it's not far, which is kind of nice, so that way everybody can get there. Um, but I'll actually tell a quick score, uh, quick story for you. So 2013, like you mentioned, play over there, true freshman. Uh, after the game, uh, because it's a kind of a unique thing, we get to leave with our parents and hang out because we got an extra day before we go back. And... Uh, and so I'm riding the elevator with my dad going to his hotel room and we're sitting in there and uh, there's some Nebraska fans or something. And keep in mind, I'm probably like 167 at the time, 168 pounds. Like I wasn't big. You're a meerkat, man. You were the meerkat. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason I was slender. <laughs> and uh, so we're just sitting there and they're like, oh, it was a good game today. My dad, you know, wanting to be the proud dad was like, yeah, my son was actually on the field. And these fans go, what instrument does he play? And I mean, there's there's humble and then there's what happened to me in that moment. And I was like, fair enough. All right. At least we got the win. <laughs> How long did it take to bounce back from that mentally? Oh, I don't think I have the bowl game, dude. <laughs> I don't think I have yet. I'm still I still think about it too much. Oh, man. Well, then you you go back in 2015 and you you've racked up the catches. So they're this, <laughs> you play is grabbing the football right there. What was with that game like? And. Listen, it kind of similar to what we're going into on Friday. West is wrapped up, still undefeated, though. And I, I know 12-0 had to be the, the goal and the focus, but it was brutally cold. out. I mean, that was stocking Cap Kirk at his finest. Uh, to to get 12-0 in Lincoln in the fashion that you did, where like every score was a haymaker. The defense was all over Armstrong. Just what was that game like to, to walk out of there? Not just, I think, dashing their bowl hopes like Iowa could do on Friday as well, but finishing 12-0 and in Lincoln. Well, not only that, but I think Desmond had been suspended the first quarter or first half of that game right. uh, for something that had happened prior. So, like, there were a lot of things that led to this game doesn't matter. But at the same token, we're trying to get in the college football playoff and, and make sure that we have a real run at something. Um, but to your point, like, it's cold. Every point is at a premium, which seems to be the method of all Iowa games. You know, I mean, I think the final score of that game was 28-20, right? I mean, almost everything is one score, even though we went undefeated and Minnesota was 40 to 35. You know, I mean, they were they were close games all year long. But I think it was a testament to like, we're not going to take our foot off the gas. And not only that, but I mean, if we're going to go out there and compete, knowing that before the season, we only had 12 guaranteed opportunities. You know, I mean, you work for January, February, March, April, May, June, July. August just to play 12 Saturdays. Like that's insane. Now we earned the opportunity to go play two more at that point, but knowing that one of those opportunities may be taken from you, you aren't, you weren't going to let it go uh, quietly, but yeah, Kanziri with the long run off the backside. I mean, Armstrong threw, I'm pretty sure like 90 picks. Like it was, 
<laughs> it, it was a good day to be a Hawkeye for sure. I still Parker Hesse, the precocious freshman, uh, just right off the line there was such a cool, cool moment. And yeah, I, then going into 2016 to at home, it was like Riley's got his long run where he does the does the meme and Akram had his bit. Just every touchdown felt like a haymaker. And then as a senior, you get to go back there and drop 50 on these guys. What was it like getting to go three and oh at Memorial Stadium and just after that that 2014 you know crazy overtime loss you end up four and one against nebraska as a kid from around that area boy that had to feel good especially when you already didn't really like the fan base growing up to, to be I was gonna say, yeah they kind of they kind of made their beds so they had to sleep in it as far as i'm concerned but uh yeah it was it and it was a lot different you know in 2017 so it was a different quarterback different position i was playing an x position which is usually reserved for bigger guys, not necessarily my skill type, um, but just based on the personnel we had on the team, that's where I fit. Uh, Brian's first year as OC, so we were still trying to figure out a lot of different things. Um, so knowing that there was a lot of difference going into that game um, to put up 50 is pretty incredible. Uh, not only that, but that was the end of a injury-laden senior year for me. Uh, I had a lot of different little things like uh, busted finger, or my thumb is messed up, or I've got an AC sprain, like little things like that and to be able to still go out there. I still think of, uh, there was one catch I made on the outside. It's like a diving catch that Stanley just kind of like trusted me to make. Because uh, they had, yeah, they had uh, Lamar Jackson, I'm pretty sure it was the corner, long, lanky dude. Like they're always going to have dudes over there in Nebraska. So to win that one on the end uh, was was kind of like a book ending to, to how it should have been. I mean, you talk about playing through injury lord knows we got enough guys on crutches already that aren't able to play through injury but when you get to that 12th game and guys are always always beat up but have you ever seen anything like this where it's just every i think every position group except linebackers and knock on all the wood has has been touched in some way shape or form in a fairly significant way i just watching this as an alum uh, you know, guys play through stuff, but man, to see this many breaks and tears, it, it's just got to be mind boggling, even for a guy who who knows these guys are playing hurt a lot. Well, uh, and Laura actually made a comment. Um, she was it was after the game. There was like a golf cart bringing the guys through and it was Cade, Eric, Lachey and Cooper. And she called it the multimillion dollar golf cart because <laughs> of those four guys that were on there. But uh, yeah, it's it's. Football is an interesting game because there's so much you can go through. And then there's so much that like it can be taken from you like that. Like I couldn't play on my broken foot in 16. Like that was taken and that's it. But like AC sprain and all that kind of stuff. Like I couldn't even imagine the kind of like injuries Jay Higgins has after his nine million tackles this year. But dude continues to still go out there and compete. Offensive line has been a, a kind of a shuffle, you know, for most of the year. But thankfully running back, we've had a lot of depth. And that kind of speaks to like I see a lot of similarities to a point of uh, this team compared to 2015, where like we was always next man in, you know, Kanziri goes down with an ankle, LaShawn steps up, LaShawn goes down with an ankle, then you got Derek Mitchell Jr., you got Akram that step up, and Akram goes off against Northwestern. Um, or we're playing Wisconsin, Tavon Smith is out, so Germanique Smith steps in. Like we had a ton of guys that had to step up, and I think that's just credit to the coaching staff of always having the next guy ready. Now, you can argue that some of the guys aren't quite to the same caliber. I mean, that's inevitable. But as long as they're able to move forward, I think that's really all they're looking for. Deacon really looking like he is settled in super, super well. What have you seen from the offense and and to to get them in a spot where 
you know, national media will say what they want because they're just looking at box scores and stuff. But I mean, just the eyeball tests, everybody there seems to just be making strides. Addison goes from tight end four to due to 16 catches in the last three games. I know Caleb gets all the shine and he should, but I mean, this offense is figuring itself out again in November when Kirk wants these guys to be playing their best football. It's got to be fun for you to watch. It's it's a very different transition because I think Deacon Hill, you know, so he's a transfer. Now he got the reps because Cade was out, you know, in spring. But so he's he's takes a decent amount of reps. He's still a sophomore. Like that's what people don't understand. Like he's a transfer in, but he's a sophomore. And his first game against Michigan State, he was hitting guys in between the numbers and they weren't catching it. So like his first time out on the field was a very good one where he didn't have to think too much and he just went out there and competed. Now to that. And then he had kind of a few rough, you know, like learning moments, like against Northwestern. If you're going to throw a fade ball, you have to miss far and outside. You can't miss short and inside, things like that. Uh, but you talk about Addison Estrenga. So the touchdown to Addison Estrenga, he actually went through all three of his progressions because they didn't get the look they were expecting. They were expecting true man-to-man at the line against Illinois, and they didn't. They played fence defense. So essentially, they're all zoned up. And as soon as they pass my zone for the goal line, then I'm going to pick them up. We were trying to run a pick play to the running back, but when they're not in when they're not in man, you're not picking anybody because the guy in zone just sits on the outside. And Deacon does an interesting thing where he rotates his entire shoulders to his next read, where a lot of guys will just move their head and then reset their feet and throw. But he will physically like move. And I think part of that is he's able to throw as soon as he likes it. You know, it's a little bit quicker out of his hand. Um, but the rollouts have been effective. He's really good throwing on the run, which I'm impressed to say the least based on the last couple of throws that he's he's had. Um, but you look at that and you look at quick screens, like just zip it out there. Let Caleb Brown, let Nico, let these guys catch it and then get yards. If they get three or four yards on first down, in my mind, that's a good play. Second and six is a heck of a lot easier than second and 10. So just like little things like that of making it quicker for them or <clears throat> We only have to read one guy. You know, they go empty, so they kind of have to give a shell of what are they going to do. They're going to tell me right now if they're blitzing, they're going to tell me right now if they're off. So, like, trying to make the game simpler for Deacon Hill, I think, has been massive, and that's why he started to take those strides. Yeah, Addison with those 16 catches, I think, is for 86 yards. You're like, hey, five yards a pop, like, whoever you can get it. Like, who's going to complain about that? Owen was in that end zone, in that corner for for that touchdown. And, again, like, him throwing kind on the run, and he just – you can hear that pop on Addison's gloves. I'm like, geez, like that dude's getting that kind of velocity when he's moving like that. And he finally, you know, people talk about the Deke sneak. Give me <laughs> Deke in the streaker, man. Like that scramble he had on third and eight was wild. It was awesome. Uh, what What's the key then going into Lincoln? You've got a, an offense that's, you know, listen, Iowa gets banged up in, in the media for its offense. Like Nebraska's isn't that great either. They're very good defensively, but what, what's the key? Uh, between a couple of teams who, you know, the the over-under is the over-under for the reason, right? Like, this is going to be one of those quintessential late November Big Ten West games, it feels like. Well, I feel like um, this is going to be – well, so Matt Rule, I think, uh, like I said, is changing some things, but it's still Nebraska, and they're still turning the ball over late in games. Like, that's been Nebraska's M.O. since I got to Iowa 2013. You know, Scott Frost didn't do anything to change that M.O., and they continued to just turn the ball over. Against an opportunistic defense, I expect us to come away with a couple. Um, but to your point, they're running – I think their rushing defense prior to Wisconsin was top three in the college football. 
And so we got a three-headed monster and we've been feeding whoever's been hidden, you know, between LaShawn Williams, I think Jazz had like 15 a couple of weeks ago, but then LaShawn is the one who's up top and then Caleb Johnson, obviously with the big run. So being able to have fresh legs, I think is going to be big because they got some big dudes in the middle and they're not afraid to come down and fill. Now to that, uh, blitz pickup, I think is going to be big too, because I think defensively they want to blitz and they want to play cover one. Uh, they've, they've always got long lanky DBs. Like I mentioned, Lamar Jackson back in 13, like they want guys that are physical on the outside. And so I expect them to bring pressure. So our blitz pickup is going to be pretty big. I think, uh, at least offensively, defensively, uh, you know, you go back to Nebraska played Maryland, they won 13 to 10. They played three quarterbacks in that game. All three quarterbacks are an interception. So <laughs> we're used to them turning the ball over and that's a close game, right? I mean, 13, 10 with a good Maryland team who brought Michigan down to the last, you know, how, you know, last couple minutes only to win by a score. So I expect us to be opportunistic. We dropped two picks last week uh, between Deshaun Lee and Sebastian Castro. So being opportunistic on defense, then offensively, don't get away from what you do, but use Nebraska's um, aggressiveness against them. If they're so good at the run, play action, play action. were great for us against Illinois. And I expect us to do that more. Thanks again to Matt for the conversation. Of course, he's in the podcast game too. Him and his wife, Laura, have the Talkin' Hawks podcast that's available on YouTube and all over the social medias. You can find them searching social media at Talkin' Hawks Pod, not I-N-G Talking, I-N Talking. It's cooler that way. They have awesome conversations with players on the roster right now, and they really get into the nitty-gritty of the X's and O's of stuff. And of course, Matt, using all the knowledge he has during his time as a Hawkeye. You can follow Eye on the Hawks on Twitter at Eye on the Hawks. You can watch us and download everything that you'd like to be following when it comes to Eye on the Hawks at the Iowa's News Now YouTube and Instagram pages. And we'll see you on Saturday for that recap of the Nebraska game right here on the YouTube channel and wherever else you listen to podcasts. See you Saturday.